The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known and it won't be long your life will pass by as a vapor and you will stand before the judgment seat of God and every secret deed and thought every wrinkle every spot will be in view Before the one who knows all things The Lord of Lord and King of Kings You know the one you never knew While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment That's to come He is the shelter From the coming storm All creation shakes at the mention of his name. He has power over life and death. Every knee will bow and tongue confess. Heaven and earth will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of the Father will you bow. He can save you from the might of all your sin This is the fight in which He stands In perfect victory While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come From the coming storm 
while you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from all your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter From the coming storm He's the only shelter From the coming storm In the book of Revelation, there is a church, Laodicea, and Jesus writes a message to them. In that message, he says, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I would that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'm about to vomit you out of my mouth. I've asked the question, what marks the person who is lukewarm? And the only answer I can find is that a person is defined as lukewarm who has one foot in the kingdom of God and one foot in the kingdom of darkness. They are not wholly given to the Lord. They're still angry. They're still defensive. They still want their lifestyle. They still want to have portions of the world as their precious possession. Their attention is on their job as a source of money, not as a source of ministry. They are concerned about their savings and their properties. They are concerned about how they look, how they walk. They're concerned about who their friends are. They're concerned about themselves. And yet they say, I'm a Christian. By definition, a Christian in that condition is but lukewarm and will soon be cast out. And will lose everything. Now, this raises a vital issue that has been open to me in the scriptures that I want to take some time and just walk through some information that you need to reach a final decision regarding how you should walk and what you should be. 
in this final age of Earth's history. There are sources, including the book of Enoch and other sources, faithful witnesses, that tell us that 2025 will be the end of the age of grace. And as we approach the end of this age, we are seeing explode pestilence, monkeypox, financial loss, famine is coming, is already here for many people in the world. We see wars and rumors of wars. We see people dying. We see mass shootings, violence. We see destruction. Now, as we look at that and we recognize that we have but a very short time until the age of grace ends and then everything explodes. Now, I'm not saying that's when Jesus comes. There's a period of time, according to these calendars, Jesus will set his own time by the Father for when he's going to come. But I am saying that the tribulation is just around the corner. There are many who are prophesying that we're entering into a wonderful age of prosperity and grace. Wrong. The age of grace ends 2025. And between now and 2025, absolute hell is breaking out on the earth. And after 2025, we move into the final actions that will announce the tribulation in a one-world government. So how should we live in all of this? I'd like to share with you some thoughts about this final age and where we're called to position ourselves and what our duty is. I know, we don't like the word duty. I confess, I do. I want to know what is my duty to Jesus Christ because I plan on being among the redeemed and I am laying everything on the altar. I do not have one foot in the world and one foot in Jesus. Both of my feet, my heart, my body is planted solidly with Jesus Christ. I am not lukewarm. I am eager. I am hot. I am I'm on fire for Jesus. He has washed me and cleansed me. I am investing every ounce of energy and every dollar I have in fighting against the wickedness of this age that it would be set right with Jesus and prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. So let me share some things that you may not be aware of. First, I'm going to share out of Scripture, and then I'm going to share a passage of Scripture that has been wrongly translated by almost every Bible available. I've even gone back and looked at some of the early commentaries, and they said, 
we can't translate this verse according to the Greek words because it doesn't make sense that way. So let's let's put it this way. Well, they made it wrong. And it has deceived many of us. And we don't understand Hebrews, the 11th chapter, because of this misunderstanding and this mistranslation. We're going to uncover that today. And welcome. You're listening to Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. This is Pilgrim's Progress. I read to you first from Hebrews, the 10th chapter. Having confidence for the entrance into the holies by the blood of Jesus, a new and living way which he opened for us through the curtain that is his flesh, And having a great priest over the house of God, may we draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, our hearts having been sprinkled from an evil conscience, and the body having been washed with pure water. May we hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for the one having promised is faithful. And may we consider one another to encourage love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and by so doing, much more as you see the day approaching. Many of you are watching church service online. That's in direct conflict with the commands of Jesus. You need to stop watching a church service online and go find a godly church, a godly pastor who understands the times we live in and join yourself to him no matter what the cost. And be a part of fighting for this age to be put right with Jesus. There is a battle we are invited to, and lukewarm people will not involve themselves in that battle. They're too busy in their selfishness dealing with their own stuff. I'm so tired of Christians saying, I'm saved. Will they walk like the world? It reminds me of the saying, if you walk like a duck... You sound like a duck. You look like a duck. It's very probable that you're a duck. If you talk like a pagan, you walk like a pagan. You look like a pagan. I'll guarantee you, you are a pagan. And you may have one foot tentatively in the kingdom of God, but your other is planted firmly in taking care of your money and your lifestyle and your family and everything that in, is involved in the American lifestyle, you are a pagan. If the shoe fits, slip it on. Verse 26, now willingly or willfully, Continuing to sin after we received clear knowledge of the truth, a sacrifice no longer remains concerning sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment, even the 
fiery and the flurry of fire being on the point to consume the adversaries. Anyone having rejected the law of Moses died without mercy upon the word of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think he will be considered worthy of? the one having trampled the Son of God underfoot, in fact, having regarded the blood of the covenant by which he was made holy a common thing, insulting the Spirit of grace. Now we understand the one having said, Vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is fearful to fall into the hands of a living God, but you must call to remembrance the earlier days in which, after having been enlightened, you endured a great struggle of suffering. On the one hand, this, both with reproaches and persecution being exposed to public shame. On the other hand, this, having become companions of the ones being so treated, For you both sympathized with their bonds and put up with the plunder of your possessions with joy, knowing in yourselves to have a better and enduring possession in the heavens. May you not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Many of you have already thrown away your confidence, and you are the lukewarm church of Revelation. And this must change if you are going to enter into the kingdom of God. Verse 38. The righteous will live by faith. But if he may draw back, my soul is not pleased with him. But we are not of those shrinking back to destruction, but of faith to a persevering of the soul. But that's not true today. Most in the American church have drawn back, and God is not pleased with the American church, and he is about to come with a sword in his hand and set the church right by cleaning it out. I don't want you to be cleaned out. I want you to stand in the spirit of the living God, being faithful before him, assembling yourself together with other believers of like faith, and entering into the battle for our age to be transformed and to be put right with Jesus. Now let me read for you the 11th chapter of Hebrews. There is a verse here that is vital. If you have a mistranslation of this verse, you will never understand the 11th chapter of Hebrews. We have trivialized it in today's American church, and the faith spoken of is a a ginning up of positive thinking, and it has no power. This faith is not ginned up. It's not positive affirmations. The faith spoken of in chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews is the faith of God based on the word of God. Now, let me show you. Chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is assurance of things being expected an inner conviction of things not being seen. For by this, the men of old were confirmed. 
Now, this is the passage of Scripture that is mistranslated. I'm going to read for you the actual Greek translation of these words. We understand the ages, and if you look at the NIV, it will say, we understand the world was created. No. The actual Greek word is a measurement of time. The early church believed that the entire time of the earth had been divided carefully, and the final time would come with a thousand-year millennium, and that would be the Sabbath. So 6,000 years and then 1,000 years millennium. That's what the early church believed. We understand the ages to have been put right by faith in a rhema from God. Rhema is spirit-breathed, but it is also a command personalized, spoken by the Holy Spirit. And in obedience to that word spoken by God, chapter 11 heroes moved out in faith and acted on what God has spoken to them. We understand the ages or the age to have been put right by faith in a rhema from God to that the things being seen having not happened out of things being visible. In other words, as these men and women of old heard the rhema of God, they stepped out in faith. They had their possessions confiscated. They were suffering persecution and even death. They laid everything down for this work of setting right the age. The age we are now in ends in 2025. We need to set right this age before the end of the age, for we are still in the time of grace. If you're half in and half out, you cannot set right the age because you are part of the age. You are part of the wickedness of the age. And your eyes are on all of the things loving the world, the flesh, and the devil. Now listen. By faith, Abel offered to God a more abundant sacrifice than Cain. Abel offered to God a more abundant sacrifice than Cain by faith. What was the faith in? The rhema word that he was hearing from the Holy Spirit and from God. By faith, verse 5, Enoch was translated so as not to see death. And he was not found because God translated him. For before his translation, he had been declared to have been well-pleasing to God. We know that Enoch was a godly man, and he proclaimed righteousness. Look in the book of Jude. 
He proclaimed righteousness. That was Enoch's job. He was to declare righteousness even to the watchers. Now, without faith, it is impossible to be well-pleasing to him. It is necessary for the one coming to God to believe that he is, and to the one seeking him, he becomes a rewarder. In other words, you have to believe the rhema word of God that he's going to give you. He will direct you. But you must decide, will you join the fight based on the word of God to put right this final age and bring it to Jesus? Will you confront the darkness and the evil of our age? Now, let me say something that will make some of you very uncomfortable. I make no apology. I'm going to show you in just a moment from the scripture. The evil philosophy enters into the apostate church. So the fight that we're involved in, and the reason I'm on this radio broadcast is to fight against this evil in our age the evil of Gnosticism in the church. Gnosticism has taken over the American church. The belief of Gnosticism, that you are essentially a good person. Does that sound like some of the modern preachers? God loves you unconditionally. Oh yes, you're going to sin, but don't worry about it. You're God's child. You're part of his family. He's got you. That's Gnostic belief. The belief that your inner being is like gold and God, if he allowed you to be dipped down into the sewer and you were brought out of the sewer and washed off, you would be perfectly fine. And so the modern church teaches that at death, you're going to be washed off. But inside you're saved. You're good with God. One man, a businessman from downtown D.C., I confronted him with his sin. He said, Pastor, 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 in a very condescending way, don't worry about me. I have a special deal with God. I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. Even though he ran a thug store, even though he walked in wickedness, He believed he was saved. He was a Gnostic, not a Christian. By faith, verse 7, Noah, having been warned concerning the things not yet being seen, having been moved with reverent awe, built an ark unto the deliverance of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness in accordance with faith. How did that happen? Because God gave him the direction to build the ark. That was a rhema word from God. He acted on that rhema word. Now, many of you do not have a rhema word from God. You've never heard God speak to you. You read the scriptures. They're dry and dull, except as you seek information from them. But if you read the New Testament carefully you'll find there is a very direct word of God to you. 
And that word of God is to set right the modern age in preparation for the coming of Jesus. That's what the gospel commission is. It's a rhema word to you. It's not just some casual statement by Jesus. It is the final statement. Go into all the world. We're to teach men what he taught. We are to make disciples. We're not doing that today in the modern church. We're making Gnostic disciples. And very powerful and positive thinking preachers are proclaiming all kinds of wickedness. They're blaspheming the name of Jesus. They are making of non-effect the blood of Jesus because they say, it can't take all of your sin away. You'll always be a sinner. That's Gnostic theology. That's not Christian. By faith, Abraham obeyed, being called to go to a place where he was about to receive an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. He obeyed the rhema word of God. By faith, even Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed. She even gave birth after the time of normal age because she considered the one having promised as faithful. She acted on the rhema word by faith. By faith, Abraham, the one having received the promises being tested, offered up Isaac. He was even offering his only son. He said that he considered God able to raise Isaac from the dead. He was going to do what God told him to do. Are you willing to go to the utter end of yourself to do what God has told you to do? Do you know what you're supposed to be doing? You're not just living here in this world to live a wonderful, comfortable American life. If you look at at Hebrews, the 12th chapter, verse 12. You must strengthen the hands having been weak and the knees having having been feeble. You must make straight paths for your feet that the lame may not be turned aside, but rather may be healed. In other words, you're involved. You have a rhema word to go straighten out your life and straighten out the, the life of the people around you and call them to repentance. You must pursue peace with all men and the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Seeing to it, lest anyone failing or falling from the grace of God, lest some root of bitterness grow up and may cause trouble, and by this may defile many with sin. Lest anyone be a fornicator or a godless person like Esau, who in exchange for one meal sold his birthright. For you must know that even afterward, desiring to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, although having sought it with tears. We live in the age of grace. You can seek repentance. You can seek restoration. You can seek to be in Jesus. 
and he will restore you. Some of you have roots of bitterness in your heart. You think someone didn't treat you right. I know many people who have roots of bitterness and they have caused much trouble and they have caused many to be defiled with their sin. It is time to repent. Now I want to take you to the, to the church that we're looking at today in Revelation. Revelation chapter 2, verse 12. And you must write to the angel or to the pastor of the church in Pergamos. The one having the sharp, double-edged sword says these things. I know your works. I know where you dwell. I know you dwell where the throne of Satan is. I believe today the throne of Satan is in the United States in Babylon. And yet you are holding fast to my name. You did not deny my faith in the days when Antipas, my faithful martyr, who was put to death among you, where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you because you have the ones there holding the teachings of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel to eat meat sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. So you also have in like manner the ones holding the teachings of the Nicolaeans or the Gnostics. So you must repent. But if not, I am coming to you without delay and will make war against them with which with the sword out of my mouth. So Jesus is saying, look, there's a war in the church. Decide which side you're on now. Are you totally in with Jesus? Or do you participate in the things that Balaam brought through Balak to the children of Israel? First, eating the meat sacrificed to idols, eating the the media the movies, the entertainment, eating the ways of the world, practicing the ways of the world, loving the things of the world, the pride of life, living the wonderful American luxury, not taking up the fight to put the age right with Jesus. Some of you get very offended because I talk about money. Well, you know what I learned? The hard, painful way. If I don't talk about money, no one will give because they don't sense a need. We Americans usually respond to great need not to the warmth of our heart toward Jesus and just hilariously give because what he's given us, not listening to the Holy Spirit and hearing what he's directing us to give. 
I know today we would be national with this broadcast. If men and women had truly listened to the Holy Spirit and given according to what he asked them to give. This broadcast is a bitter fight for our age, for the age of grace, for the church to be put right with Jesus, for the age, for the people of our nation to be put right with Jesus. That's what this broadcast is all about. Why do I talk about sin? Why do I talk about the sinning Christian? Because it is trampling the blood of Jesus. It is a deception. And Jesus is angry with the American church. And he's going to come in judgment. Judgment begins in the house of the Lord. He's going to begin with you if you call yourself a Christian, but you're only half in and half out. If you're lukewarm, he's going to spit you out of his mouth. This is not hyperbole. This is literally what he's going to do with you. I don't want that to happen to you. Oh, I know you've got your work and your family and your job and and you've got your toys and you've got your goals and you've got your vacations to take and you've got this and you've got that and you don't have time to read the scriptures. You don't have time to wait before God. Are you kidding me? We're at the end of the age. How are you going to walk into the next part of Earth's history with the Great Tribulation? Are you going to be ready when Jesus comes to take you to heaven? Or will he leave you out and cast you out? I'm involved in a fight. I'm involved in a fight. Every dollar I have, every ounce of energy I have, every resource I can tap, I am using to fight this battle against sin in the American church and to fight the sin of our culture. And if you want to follow Jesus, you're going to have to pick up the sword and you're going to have to be involved in this fight with me or with others for the victory of Jesus Christ, to make straight the road for him to come. He's coming again soon. So you also have in like manner the ones holding the teachings of the Nicolaeans, the wicked sinning Christian theology. Now we don't really know who the Nicolaeans were. There is supposition, but there is no absolute knowledge. David Wilkerson, the great pastor with such integrity, he was my spiritual father. I was sitting with him one day in his office, which I often did. And I said, Brother David, who are the Nicolaeans? He said, Brother, I don't know who they were. All I can tell you is that I'm sure they were the sinning Christian people. I said, yes, I think you're right. Trampling the blood of Jesus. He says, you must repent. Well, he's speaking to the church, and he's speaking 
to the ones in the church who've been walking straight. He's saying, you must repent. What are they to repent of? They're not in the battle. Yes, they've done everything they know to be righteous, but they're not in the battle. They've not laid their lives down. It's more of an intellectual deal. He says, you know, I know your works. I know where you dwell. I know the trauma you've been through. But now I'm calling you to repent because you've drawn back. You've become comfortable in your work and in your lifestyle. Oh, you're not walking in sin against me. You're just casual. You've lost your first love. He says, repent. But if not, I'm coming to you without delay and will make war against them with the sword of my mouth. The ones having an ear must hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches, to the one overcoming. I will give to him to eat of the manna, having been hidden. Well, what is the manna? The manna is the bread of heaven. And Jesus said he was the bread of heaven. And I will give him a white stone. What is the white stone? It is in that day, someone before the judge given a white stone meant he was cleared. He was not guilty. He was, he was free to go. And a new name is written on that stone. I don't know what that new name will be for every person. It will be different. But I want to tell you, it's time to fight the fight. It's time to get involved in the battle to set right our age and to set right the church, which is in America trampling on the blood of Jesus Christ and making it of non-effect and saying the blood of Jesus does not have the power to wash me and cleanse me. The blood of Jesus doesn't have the power to give me the strength to stop sinning and to break every bondage of the devil. Oh, brother, sister. We've got to get a hold of the reality of what it means to hear the rhema word of God and to act on it. Are you drifting? Are you no longer attending church because it's so convenient to stay home and watch it on television or watch it on your computer? Streaming worship is not worship. You have dropped out of the battle. You need to repent. And you need to get to a church, a godly church, and pay whatever price is necessary to join the battle to set right this age. There's a battle going on right now for against abortion. That's God's fight. There's a battle going on against pornography. That's God's fight. But oh, my brother, my sister, pride, bitterness, arrogance, that's God's fight too. To give of our time, our money, our resources, our skills, to join the battle 
to set right this age, to be put right with Jesus before the age of grace ends and we're brought into the great tribulation or we're brought into heaven. I don't want you to miss out. If you're not a part of the battle, you're part of the problem. And some of you are very much a part of the problem. Oh, you'll give a little bit because there's such a great need. And there is a great need for this radio broadcast for this month. We're still almost $2,000 short of being able to pay the radio bill for this month. And at the end of the month, if we don't have the money to move forward, I cancel this radio broadcast. It's been that way every month since I've been on the air for 20 years. And God, by his power, has brought forth people who would sacrifice to keep this broadcast on the air. I know this month will be the same way. I stand by faith. God is my provision. But I've learned that you need to know what the need is or you won't give hilariously. And Denise, thank you. Your offering came. And many other of you have given. Thank you. We're not there yet. The battle's on. And whether I'm on this radio broadcast or whether I'm doing something else, you know, it will only be for the building of the kingdom of God and for putting this age right with Jesus. I won't back off that. I'll die in that battle if necessary. It's very clear in the 11th chapter of Hebrews. Verse 3, the correct translation. We understand the ages to have been put right by faith in a rhema from God. In other words, in every age, God has stepped into that age with men and women who were willing to lay down their lives in obedience to God to bring that age into obedience to the Lord God of heaven. We're in the final age. I heard one very wise commentator say, he expects war within the next several weeks. War in America. Nuclear war. I don't know if he's right. I just know that we're at the end of the age of grace and all hell is about to break out with famine, pestilence, the grids going down, rolling blackouts, food, famine. Everything is coming unglued. And where are you in that fight to put things right with Jesus? I'm in the battle. I invite you to join me in the battle. I invite you to come on Sunday and worship with us or go to another church and worship, one that's righteous, that's holy, that teaches that your sin is forgiven and can be utterly removed from your life. You're welcome to call me. 
I'll give you my cell phone. If you need directions to come and worship with the National Prayer Chapel, we're in Woodbridge, Virginia. The phone number, 703-489-1785. Don't call me to argue with me. I won't argue with you. I have given you a very straight message from the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to alter it. I'm not going to back away from it. If you don't like it, that's between you and the Lord. I've been faithful and done what he told me to do. So if you'd like directions, your heart is eager to walk with other people in Jesus. You're willing to not let anyone or anything stop you. And you need directions. Then go to the webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. There you'll find a map and how to get here. Or call me at National, or write to me at National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195, or call me at 703-489-1785. Let's pray together. Mighty God, King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus, the Holy One of of God, God of gods and Lord of lords, I thank you that by faith we enter in, not by works lest anyone should boast, but you call us to turn our lives over to the Holy Spirit and to the way of the cross. And you ask us to join the battle against the powers of darkness. To not have one foot in heaven and one foot in hell. Lord, you call us to take a stand and to fight the good fight of faith. Lord, I pray today that men and women listening to this broadcast will stop sitting by. Thinking they're good to go because they say they love you. Lord, you're much more interested in what we do than what we say. So, Lord, I come today praying that you will move in the hearts of men and women now in Washington and across this nation, calling them to join the fight for our age, the age of grace, to be put right with you, Jesus. Lord, come with with power, with your Holy Spirit. My eyes are upon you. My trust is in you. Lord, I wait upon you to move in the hearts of men and women to give that this broadcast could stay on air. I come trusting that you will move in their hearts to find a church, a place to worship, not sitting idly at home where the devil can take them over but they will bestir themselves and search after you, paying whatever price is necessary, that they could be a part of this fight to set the ages right, the age of grace. 
Lord, please come. And Lord, I pray for those today who are sick. I pray for my dear brother, Don. And I pray for many others who are sick. I ask for healing in their lives in the name of Jesus. I ask for the miracle working power of your Holy Spirit to touch these ones who are sick, that they would know it was you, Jesus, and that they would give you all glory, praise, and honor, saying, yes, it was Jesus who set us free. I bind those powers of darkness. I bind deception, bitterness, and anger. I bind the sin that would so easily beset. And I ask Jesus for the victory for your people for freedom and joy and hope and love. Come, Lord Jesus, and minister to your people. Let your name be glorified today in Washington, D.C. Let your name be lifted up, Jesus. Let a shout of praise go up from your people who are made clean by your blood who no longer walk with the world, the flesh, or the devil, who are willing to resist the devil until even the point of death. Lord, would you deal with the wickedness of our age, but especially the wickedness of the apostate church? Lord, would you come and clean us up and scrub us and make clean your people? Would you give your pastors the backbone to speak the truth, to stop lying, to stop teaching Gnosticism? Oh, Lord, come. Make plain the way of truth. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. Present you blameless before the presence of his glory with grace.